Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. This week, we're going to be delving into social media and its impact on fandom. So this should be a very interesting conversation. Um, and before we get into all things social media, we're going to go around and have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing in pop culture or fandom that they're excited about right now. Start with you, Carla. Hi, I'm Carla Temis. And this week I am excited about the fact that I'm almost done binging Criminal Minds, which has been like a three-month project. <laughs> and it's kind of torture to me because it's very kind of dark and scary and not necessarily in my wheelhouse, but I'm almost done because I'm a champion. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Yeah, I've never watched a single Yay. episode of that show, so. It's, okay. it, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. I like having it on in the background while I do data entry. So let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to get too invested. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, does anyone else watch that show? Actually, it's really funny that Carla talks about it. So I'm Megan. I'm Meg Griffin. Um, and that was my little pop culture thing. I've been on a little bit of like a new show funk. I haven't really been feeling much. And I've been re-watching Criminal Minds. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't talked about it at all, Carla. You didn't tell me. I know. I'm kind of amazed. I know. So I'm... Well, I'm amazed because you tell me everything. Well, normally what happens is we have a little chat box and normally she just gets random messages from me about whatever I'm watching with zero context. (laughs) And she has to just (laughs) kind of figure out what I'm talking about. Um, But I've been watching a lot of... How's that for social media? Yeah, there you go. Carla, you and me are 100% this episode. But... yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the thing you're into right now then, man. Yeah, I've been switching between Criminal yeah. Minds and The Office these days because I really like <laughs> I really like The Office Ladies podcast, so I've been kind of rewatching yeah. along with that. So Yeah, that's a good podcast. And Tanya, are you also watching Criminal Minds? <laughs> I am not, but I now um I know my students watch it. So hi, I'm Tanya Cook and I am like I don't know how many years behind, but I'm what I'm watching right now. <laughs> is uh is the space version of that which is star trek deep space nine um maybe i don't know no (laughs) um there's a lot of like space just really campy fights and i i love it i went from like oh this show's kind of boring and it's you know 25 years old so it has all the 25 year old melodrama editing issues of shows but it's I went from that to I love it in like a couple of episodes and I don't I hate the Ferengi because they're not like they're as a as a culture they're like anti-feminist they're misogynistic as a part of their culture so I think that's always so they're a lot like oh that's great yeah, yeah. And they're, 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 anytime someone refers to a woman as a female, I hear it as a Ferengi female, you know. Um, but so <laughs> she's a female. She can't be president. Anyway, all right, we're just, we'll just Aww. leave that there. I got sad um, now. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back with a bad joke. Um, so Quark is actually not terrible as a Ferengi, and I I kind of don't hate him. And do you know what? The place where he's called it's like a tavern on the ship do you know what you could call that 
Hmm. You could what? You could call it a space bar. Oh God! Ah. Yeah, ah. Tanya, you're That's... my kind of people. <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> Um, and this is Aaron and what I'm about this week is um last weekend I was in Atlanta for the women in horror film festival um (laughs) and um well just a little self-plug my uh short script uh baby blue did win for best short screenplay which uh totally took me by surprise I kept saying all weekend there's no way I'm winning so that was that was a shocker um a good shocker because I also got to um hug Heather Langenkamp who plays (laughs) Nancy you know from the Nightmare on Street films so that was fun um And what was really interesting about it is, um, you know, you had all these, not every film was directed by a woman, but the films had to at least heavily involve women. And what you really noticed was there was so much diversity. Mm. There were so many people of color and so many LGBTQ plus storylines, so many different body types, body shapes, looks, everything like that, that you wouldn't normally see in, you know, the mainstream um, and so it just really, I think, reiterates that reiterates that we need more women behind the scenes of every type of media out there. Um, so it just it just was really, really shocking. You know, I mean, not shocking in a bad way, but you really, really noticed it. It really stood out in a good way. Um, and even, you know, they gave the award for best actress for it was this um, young actress this young child actress who has uh down syndrome and i can't remember the country she was in i should have remembered that but um and she fortunately wasn't there because she was in another country and in school at the time um but what was but what was really great is not only that she won but that the character that she was playing was a young girl who just happened to have down syndrome the the storyline had nothing to do with that nothing at all it was just that she and she was the you know main character the protagonist and the antagonist um and so that was just, it was just really cool to see that. Um, and like I said, to see so much diversity on screen and in horror and stuff. So just, just want to say that, that we just need more women behind the scenes. So that's the thing that I'm into. Um, okay. So let's get started with social media. Uh, well, first which... congratulations, Aaron. And that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, big congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That is. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Yeah, that was exciting. So, um, okay. So on to the social media chat. Um, so that of course has changed everything I think in fandom. Um, this is something that we could probably talk about, like cover like a whole week of episodes on this, but we're just going to briefly talk about the start of it, sort of, um, chat rooms, AOL, that kind of stuff, message boards. Were any of you, um, were you involved at all in that Carla? (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can um, hear your cringe <laughs> because you know <laughs> yes well you know <sighs> i i was involved enough to remember being involved i i mostly talked to just my friends and then occasionally i would go into chat groups and you know try to talk to new people and then kind of shy away from it because it was strangers um and the, the, the one way that I really got involved in it was in the X-Files forum online. Oh. So, you know, and then you start kind of exporting friends from there to your AOL, AIN, mm-hmm. and start becoming their besties. But yeah, it, it was mostly um, 
just a way to engage with people who were also really into the stuff that I liked. And then you would occasionally get requests for your age sex location. And then like guys asking for you to send them pictures. And I was like, "Mm." you're like, do you realize how long it takes a picture to load in 1996? (laughs) Right. And my mom really needs me to get off the phone right now. So like, my mom needs to make a call. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they were. Yeah, AOL was was a was a game changer, and then also really a creepy thing in a lot of ways too. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I I, I don't know what it was like for for nerd boys who would mm-hmm. just go in there and talk about whatever stuff they wanted to talk about. But I know that as a woman, this well, woman I, I was like you know in my teens, as a girl who just wanted to go in there and talk about nerdy things. And then you go from that to just being accosted because you're mm-hmm. a girl. It, it just, it, it didn't feel as fun and safe as I would have wanted it to at the end. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. kind of interesting, yeah. Carla. Cause I, my, one of my first memories of like going online and chatting, I think I was 11 or 12. Um, and I was in, I was at my friend's house and it was the dial up and we'd go on there at the dial up and it would be like 11 o'clock at night. So no one had to be on the phone. And one of the things I remember about like those <laughs> early chat rooms, it wasn't AOL or a message board. There was no fandom thing or whatever. We just would go on this chat, random chat room and we would talk to quote unquote boys. <laughs> Cause you know, none of them were actually, the like 16 year old boys that they said they would or anything like that. But we were also not the 15, 16 year old girls that we were pretending to be. And I just remember like chatting and laughing with my friend about how ridiculous these boys were being. Because we're like, they don't know anything that we're talking about. So we had all these crazy hobbies and this whole life that um, didn't act like we were early catfishers, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> like at, at 11 and 12 years old, that's like one of my earliest internet memories because I got internet actually very, very young. My dad was a computer programmer. So we got the internet in, I think I was maybe, maybe nine years old when we got the internet. So, and this was so early, early 90s. And but I just remember as I got a little older, there's a, a chat room with my friend, and that's what we did: is we would sit and talk about boy, talk to boys, and pretend to be people we weren't. Which I mean, I guess is kind of what people do now. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and you, Tanya, did you use AOL? I didn't. I don't think so. I didn't. Um, I guess I was just you know, even more of a dork and probably just hung out in the library and read, you know, paper books and like maybe slipped random, <laughs> you know, Marxist quotes into them, like the Viva la Revolution or something. And it was just very, <laughs> I don't know what you'd call that. Or like, I remember like there was a desk I would study at and someone had written like some Grateful Dead lyrics. So like every couple weeks you'd come in and there'd be like a new passage from Grateful Dead. So I don't, I don't think that counts, but um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I used AOL. I loved AOL. I loved the internet and the whole little, you know, dialing up and the you've got mail and all that stuff. Um, and I used it a lot 
Um, <laughs> I actually did a lot of the uh, role play rooms, and I don't mean that in like a really dirty way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did, I did, I did. <laughs> yeah, not that kind of role. No, like role no, play. <laughs> Although some people <laughs> wanted to take it, that, but I went into a lot of the um, like the horror, more the horror vein, the um, like vampires and stuff like that, and you know, so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that kind of you know role playing area of just like if you were into vampires or you were into that kind of stuff, you'd pretend to be like either a vampire or stuff like that. Um, and that's the only time I've ever done any kind of, uh, role play stuff. Cause I know there are, a, there's a lot of that even in Twitter and Tumblr and stuff like that. Um, but that was the only time I ever did any of those things. And then just, you know, just using it to try and find new friends. But, but like everybody's kind of mentioned, you know, most of it was just creepy men and creepy old men. You know, <laughs> I just remember like having men that were like married and had kids yeah. and they'd be like talking to me and I'm this teenager or, you know, barely out of teens. And it was just, it was really creepy. You know, you'd have these 30 year old men talking to you and saying how lonely they were. And it was just a really weird, weird time. Cause it was this amazing invention at one side. And then on the other side, it was instantly this new way of predators to try and find people kind of, you know, um, a new way to get prey and a new way for women to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, even though you had sort of anonymity, but there was still that, you know, feeling of like stalkerish behavior sometimes. Um, but yeah, but I'm not going to lie. Go ahead. No, go <laughs> Sorry, ahead. this brought back so many memories of when you're talking about that. Like, one of the weird things my friend and I used to do, like, we never went to, like, weird forums, but we used to pretend that we'd been abducted by aliens. <laughs> <laughs> and so we would have, like, this alien abduction support thing that we would go, like, I'm sorry. I this is a, this is a memory I totally repressed until just now. But I just remembered, I just remembered it. I'm dying. Sorry. I don't, That's amazing. Like a couple of twelve-year-olds being abducted by aliens. So you were basically you used AOL like people used to use prank calling. That's how you used AOL. Yeah. It's it like is. The jerk yeah. Right? yeah. And it worked really well because yeah, yeah, it worked so really well because we evil. had those free 30-day discs, and then you had to oh, yeah. start over with a new account, so it just keeps <laughs> Yeah, those free 30 days and then paying after, oh yeah, AOL was and then using them And using them as a coaster when you were done. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, truly. Uh, I, 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 I didn't mean to interrupt you, I just, I couldn't contain oh, no. my laughter anymore. <laughs> And kind of playing off of that, because there were chat rooms, but there were also message boards that weren't always on AOL. Like, I know I've spoken before about um, a big, probably my first real quote-unquote fandom thing on the internet, other than that vampire stuff, um, was um, Oscar Buzz, which was a message board on IMDb, because IMDb used to have message boards, and Mm -hmm. I'm still bummed that they got rid of their message boards. I mean, granted, they could be very toxic places. But they were also really cool places where you could find people that loved the same shows you did or stuff like that. And and usually it would be very intelligent, thoughtful conversations. But then you would get the other thing where people would just be attacking each other or, you know, being really weird. Um, 
Um, but that was, that was sort of a big one for me was Oscar buzz. I'm still friends with some of those people on Facebook or Facebook friends with them, however you want to put it. Um, did anybody else interact with any other kind of message boards that were outside of AOL? Yeah, just the, really just the X-Files ones. And again, it's, it's largely because of my thing with strangers Mm -hmm. and also because the X-Files was my world at the time and I didn't care about anything else, but I did have one person I met a lot of people who seemed really cool and really just nice and interesting. And there was one person in particular that I became friends with. And we had a friendship for something like 20 years until, um, you know, the advent of Facebook giving you a real (laughs) clue into what a person is really like and realizing that she's a xenophobe. And then I was like, no, I don't think we can be friends anymore. But, but yeah, but we had like a really nice, solid friendship from those message boards did you meg did you have any um not not in like the early advent of aol or message boards and chat rooms and stuff like that like i said like in like if we're talking about like the beginning kind of it before like mainstream social media like of today kind of took forward then no because i was too busy pretending to be an alien (laughs) abductee teenage girl um, from a different state because I still had stranger danger. Um, yeah, but but I was I was just that weird kid who liked to um, mess with people on the internet. Well, I mean, and even yes. like when I'm saying that message boards can even be later on because like they got rid of the message boards on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Like it was only like well what, four years ago or something like that. Maybe. I guess. I mean, I think five or six years ago, I joined a specific, a very specific chat room um, for a scavenger hunt mm-hmm. and from, for Gishwiz. And from that chat room, I gained a lot of really close friends that I still talk to and spend time with today. And it was, 100% independent of any social media. It was just its own. Um, so, yeah, I guess I, I made some real good friends through that. But other than that, no, I haven't. I didn't join any message boards or forums for fandoms or shows or anything mm-hmm. like that until um, I really got into Twitter, honestly. Yeah. I kind of just lived in my own bubble of fandom. And then Before I just that. went off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and Tanya, did you or, or no? Did you have any? No, I don't think so. I, I can, I will say, here's my nerdy connection. Like I would have been in college, I think. So all of my email would have been through whatever my student account was. And I do remember, I don't know if you remember the Dragonlance novel. So I used to be a big, I mean, I still read sci-fi and fantasy, but I used to be a really big um, reader of sci-fi fantasy novels. And I remember emailing one of the authors, um, Tracy Hickman, um, who wrote to ask about, um, you know, whether or not there was an audiobook version of whatever series that I was reading because I was uh, driving anyway and being like so overwhelmed that he emailed me back to say, yes, of course there is, and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, oh my God, you know, I'm totally fan. <laughs> fan personing about that like i can't believe i got an email well dude probably wants to make some money you know but it was just <laughs> here's a link like, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's that's about it i don't even think i was aware that that stuff i guess i knew it existed but i guess i was too busy you know writing essays about college garbage. <laughs> so yeah well and and other than um oscar buzz for me um earlier than that actually was 
Um, I would do, sometimes I do soap message boards because I was really into soaps, depending on like, if there was a couple that I was shipping, I might do their little forums. They'd have like websites and then message boards on those websites. Um, and then a big one that I actually got involved in was, um, after Batman begins came out, there was a whole forum that was created that I joined. It was created by a young guy in some other country, I think. I can't remember now. And I became one of the moderators on there and everything. I was very involved in that, which I know sounds really weird. But that was <laughs> the big thing that I was – I was really into that Batman movie. So I was really into that. And I remember, mm-hmm. you know, having the discussion when uh, Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker and everyone being really – upset and leery of that and of course that turned out to be great casting but I remember that I remember that being a huge thing on that message board and everybody being very angry and upset and wondering what was going to happen and how that could possibly work and you know and I don't know whatever happened to that thing because I stopped going on there so I don't know if that message board stayed around for all the other ones but I know the guy that created it was also really into James Bond which I'm not into James Bond at all, but it was just so that that was an, an interesting experience, you know, and, you know, message boards were very interesting because you wouldn't always get an instant response, you know, like you do with Twitter sometimes can be very instantaneous and Facebook and stuff can, you know, when you're doing DMs and stuff, unless you were doing private messages through there, it was something that you could post something and get, you know, not hear any responses for a while or you could kind of see who was online or not. I don't know. It didn't seem as instantaneous to me and maybe that's just me, but it didn't always seem that way. Uh, but I know, um, Oh, another one that I was really involved in is um, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's project green light that they started years ago. Like mm-hmm. that was the very first screenplay I ever wrote. I submitted to oh, that, yeah. to it, to that. And that was mainly as a test to see if I actually could write. And I was heavily involved in that community. It became a huge community that, you know, every once in a while, Ben Affleck would come on there and everybody would get all excited. And Matt Damon, I think, Matt Damon really didn't have very much to do with that. I will say that as a little insider thing. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't seem to. I mean, he was really involved in other things. Ben Affleck seemed <laughs> a lot more involved. And um, the other guy, I can't remember his name. Um, but that was a really interesting experience just because of all the creative people. And then we ended up having parties, you know, at the end. Once they chose the person, we had a huge party and um, went there. And so that was, that, was, that was a very interesting time. I will say Ben Affleck is incredible incredibly intelligent that is an incredibly intelligent man when no matter what you think of him he's a very very smart guy i just found uh-huh. out this morning that he speaks fluent spanish with like the perfect um uh mexico city uh, accent and it kills me <laughs> yeah. because my spanish yeah, is well, I was just saying, so like, yeah i was just saying listening to what you said i thought for a second you said matt damon didn't have anything to do and i'm just like oh <laughs> <laughs> like I'll just come and talk about how smart Ben Affleck is and I'll just talk about hey I thought yeah. you were talking about Matt Damon wasn't busy during Goodwill Hunting like, yeah no I mean he wasn't very involved in the in the I'm sure he was involved in helping to pick the winners stuff like that but he wasn't involved in the community around there Ben mm-hmm. Affleck was a lot more involved in that and you know so um okay well and the, the next big thing in social media um, has to be MySpace, I think, um, which I know was like a huge deal to join. It's actually still around, I guess. Um, and does was it everybody on MySpace? Were you on MySpace, Carla? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Oh, no, I was. God, I guess I suck for this episode. I, I don't know why I'm here. Um, <laughs> I used to have outside hobbies, like outside. Yeah, why are you here, Tanya? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> you breathe out because I want to talk outdoor about air. <laughs> I want to talk about Buns Affleck some more. <laughs> i'm just kidding (laughs) well (laughs) only partially kidding um so for on myspace i was on it mostly um you know to to follow my friends and i I wanted i wanted to use it as a as a blog of sorts and then it ended up not working out um, because I found that I had nothing to say, and <laughs> and it ended up um, being kind of hijacked by, um, I guess the same way that it worked for me with AOL, with just like randos messaging me and me kind of fending them off for the most part. Um, but as far as like any fandom activities, I really didn't engage in anything other than. Um, you know, posting, I, I would leave my profile public and then, you know, post my favorite music and stuff like that. And it, it, it never got the attention that I actually wanted it to get, which was fellow fans of stuff. It was always yeah. weirdos. Yeah. Oh, and man. Kinda, you, know, you had an egg, right? Oh, I had it. I remember the drama of the top eight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who in your friend group yes. would be in the top eight? And I actually looked. This is a funny. So I looked a few years ago because I never actually like canceled or yeah, I whatever. Know. I my MySpace profile is still up, and it's still yeah, it is. I Carla, I sent you screenshots. What? Um, but my way to like my way to fend off the creeps, I remember it was I would you play like forgot. the most obnoxious song. As soon as you logged on, so you had to actually really care. <laughs> um, but no, I remember, I remember what a big deal the top eight was, and like my now husband then crush. Um, he was in my, he was always in my top eight, and his girlfriend Aww. at the time didn't like it. <laughs> drama, so much drama. Oh, now we have that's a different like podcast. Drama. <laughs> talk but no i absolutely i loved myspace and i remember when twitter kind of first started creeping up and i was like twitter's lame no one's gonna want to be on twitter and facebook i'm like facebook is so dumb blah blah myspace all the way and then we all know what happened tom sold it for a crap ton of money good for him (laughs) and then tom who was always your first tom was my friend we're bffs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what cracks me up is also the music thing on MySpace was like what everyone was really excited about. Like you could play music, but everyone loved it and then also hated it. Like you loved that you could play your song, mm-hmm. but I remember hating that I'd have to listen to some song mm-hmm. anytime I would log into my friends or look at my friends' profiles. And I, <laughs> and I recently saw someone like post on Twitter, like we should have Twitter be like, so you can play your favorite song on your profile. So whenever someone comes look at your profile, they can hear your favorite mm-hmm. song. And I'm like, Oh, you must nope. be under 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can't, <laughs> well, you know, you can put the songs We've already been there. We didn't like, like it. songs about you on Facebook. Right. I mean, they won't automatically play, but you can feature songs. If it doesn't autoplay, I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with it. 
I just want the first 13 seconds of a song to play on the loop. Probably Alanis Morissette. Um, <laughs> let me just hear the chorus of Ironic oh my God. constantly. <laughs> yeah, I, well, that was what I loved about MySpace was the music stuff. That was my favorite part of it. I, I, I had an account. I was just trying to log into it, but I must have forgotten what my username was or my password because I can't get in. I was just trying to see if my – because I'm sure mine's still up because I never canceled mine either. Well, and what's um, interesting is it became a really great hub for music and for musicians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind yeah, of what it primarily what became. Yeah, and that was what I – because music is really my first love so that's what I loved about it was it was so geared towards that Mm -hmm. um and you know featuring new songs and stuff like that I loved that feature um but then I just but I didn't use it for much of anything else I don't think I think I mainly just used it for that and I kind of followed some people I remember I can't remember what oh you know who I think it was Jeremy Renner I think I followed on MySpace and he followed me back. And this was the real Jeremy Renner. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. So it was like, that was, I mean, yeah. Whoa. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not going to cut this part out, but I'm not fan of this anymore. So, um, but yeah, I was, I was, so yeah, that I just remembered that. Um, So MySpace, of course, was supposed to be the big, huge thing. Um, and then Facebook really, I think is the first thing that kind of pushed it aside. And then of course, Twitter, um, but Facebook was, Facebook was first, um, and then Twitter came along. So did you guys join Facebook right away or how did you guys feel about Facebook, Carla, when it first came about? I, I wanted to be on it. Um, I was trying to get away from the, uh, the open bombardment by randos that I experienced in MySpace and Facebook seemed like a safer place to go. Um, it seemed at the time, it seemed like it was mm-hmm. used mostly by actual grownups and not, um, you know, weird dudes with hangups about, <laughs> you know, for, for, for girls who seem to have it together. I don't know, but, <laughs> um, but so I, I went to Facebook around the time actually that I met my husband because um, I kind of wanted like a clean break from my old life, which is kind of mm-hmm. silly because it's not like I had a very dramatic life to begin with. But it, it, it did seem like the kind of thing. It's like a step up, like you're like you were leveling up into adulthood by switching yeah. from MySpace to Facebook. Yeah, which we all know now <laughs> is not exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> um. And Meg, I know, well, I know everybody on here is on Facebook because we follow each other on Facebook, <laughs> so I know we're on Facebook. Um, but Meg, did you, <laughs> did you join right away? or? Um, I, I joined pretty quick. I think I've been on Facebook for about 13 years, so, but we can kind of figure that. And I'm sorry, I got a little distracted because I just logged into my MySpace account, uh-huh. <laughs> and I just saw my profile from when I, I think I was like 13 when I made it. And it's Rosie Pumpkin. Oh it's Rosie Pumpkin Roro. And I have no idea why. Um, but if you're wondering, my husband is still number one of my top eights. Oh, <laughs> like, it's so Aww. ridiculous. Um, but no, I hopped on the Facebook bandwagon pretty, pretty quick, actually. It was Twitter that I really took a long time mm-hmm. to get Same. to get on. Um, Tumblr kind of just confuses me. (laughs) 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, yeah, I like it, but it's kind of, I don't know. I just, <laughs> and I started doing Reddit a bit more and I'm still not really on the gram. Like I have an Instagram profile, but I, I don't, I don't post to it at all. Like I'll go through a spate where I put like posts, like 10 pictures in three days and then nothing for six months. So I'm not a big influencer. Yeah. <laughs> No one's giving me free product. <laughs> <laughs> and Tanya, I know you're on Facebook. See, see well, now it comes around. Yeah. Being here. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. This is well, this is all, your time, Tanya. <laughs> yeah, my time to shine. First of all, slow to get on. That's what she said. Um, no, she said it was slow to get on. So, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Damn it. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, let's see. And I am all about that gram life. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag best life. I'm just kidding. Um, but I, so no, I got I Facebook, uh, maybe 2007 and you know, well, well into supposed adulthood on the, on the precipice of midlife. Um, and so I think my performance on Facebook, and I really call it that, like from a sociological perspective is, is an ironic performance of self. And that's, here's where the academic comes in, but like, it's obviously I, I don't really, I'm not that much of an egoist. Like it's, it's when I'm, people meet me in real life and they're like, Oh, you're like normal. I'm like, kinda, but like, you know, no, this is, I, I, <laughs> you know just like i suppose somebody like misha collins isn't like his twitter feed you know it's a there's a theory in in social the performance of self in everyday life and i really like viewing facebook and instagram through that lens and there's been you know plenty of of analysis of that in terms of how it is or is not like real life mm-hmm. right and the the authenticity piece but i will say my usage of uh, Facebook, Twitter um, really picked up when I got into studying fandom and just participating more in fandom. I've always, as I said, I think in the first episode, I've always been a fan, but I've, I've never really had um, the opportunity or taken the opportunity to be more participatory until I would say like more the last um, five to six years and really the, probably the supernatural fandom. Yeah. Um, which is how I, why I'm here, I, I suppose. Yeah, so, that's how we found each there. other. There, <laughs> brought it back around. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I will talk about Twitter and relationships with um, celebrities and showrunners and stuff if you want when we get yeah, there. Yeah, we'll definitely, yeah, um, we definitely want to touch on that. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And I was the same. I hesitated with Facebook. I hesitated longer with Twitter, but I hesitated with Facebook and my friend was just like, join, join, join. And it's weird because I'm so into social media now, but I was very, very, very leery of it, even though I was on AOL and all that. Maybe that's why I was leery of it. I don't know. Um, but I remember joining it. I believe it was in 2008 that I joined it. And I remember because you'll get those memories, you know, Facebook memories mm-hmm. and those ones where it says, you know, you filled in the area oh, yeah. is whatever you're feeling at that moment. So it was such a weird mm-hmm. different way to do it. Cause when you pop, when those pop up says, <laughs> is waiting for the weekend, I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> so cliche. Um, Here it is a song by Ford. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. That should definitely autoplay that song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, 
but I think, but what, what's interesting about Facebook? Not foreigner, lover boy. I'm sorry. I had to correct myself there. Damn. Sorry. Okay. okay. But what's interesting about Facebook is it's originally kind of felt like it was to be used to co- reconnect with friends and family. And that's how, you, you know, mm-hmm. and like, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people that I never, you know, see, you know, or in person. Such, so, I mean, Carla and Meg, I, you know, I've, I've never met Meg in person and Carla. I've I know. What the hell, Erin? I know. I know. We're going to have to have a meetup thing. <laughs> well, um, flights are and- really right. cheap right now. So I'm like booking all over yeah. the place. <laughs> <laughs> there Thanks, go. Croatown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, right. And Tanya, of course, I've I've met through uh, the Supernatural fandom, and we actually were in, we do a um, secret uh, we have do a secret Krampus every year through one of our Supernatural groups, and we had each other the very first year we did it. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that's, that's kind so of cute. We got to know each. <laughs> that's yeah. how we got to know Aww. each other was through that. So you know, so fandom became a thing later on for me through Facebook. Except for I did become Facebook friends with those people from Oscar Buzz, but it's like. I'm friends with all these people I went to high school with, um, you know, which can be good and bad. It can be weird and okay. You know, I, there have been some that I've unfriended. Um, there've been a lot of people I've unfriended since, um, 2016, um, <laughs> which I think happened to yeah. a lot of people. Um, so yeah. well, I mean, and we'll, we'll go more into the, um, you know, the, the bad sides of social media here soon, because there are some downsides, of course. But then there was also, I mean, one of the coolest parts about Facebook, if we're talking about just fandom and celebrity thing, is I remember um, Jason Ritter for a long time on Facebook. If you, I love you, you would friend so everybody back, and he would friend <laughs> you back. And it was the coolest thing to be like, oh my God, I'm Facebook friends with Jason Ritter. <laughs> <laughs> And he's so funny and sweet, you know, at least least his Facebook and Twitter persona comes off that way. I I want to believe that is completely genuine. Um, But so that was one of the cool things as far as, you know, interacting with the celebrities, which we'll get into that more, too. Um, And then Twitter, I didn't join Twitter until 2012, I think it was, because it just kind of I don't know. And I I was like, I don't want to be reading everybody what they're eating for breakfast and stuff that's stupid even though facebook was kind of like that when it first started <laughs> um but and we'll get into the celebrity stuff later like i said but then right. it ended up first was the mindy project which is how i know meg and carla Yay. and then of course supernatural um and then tumblr i like you meg i i don't understand tumblr. <laughs> i mean i have a tumblr account and i very rarely use it like I forget about it all the time because it confuses me we're going to do a whole episode about Tumblr sometime though because I think that's a very important thing fandom wise and then Instagram I have three Instagram accounts because I manage the one for the show and then I have one for my dog and then I have mine and I forget about Instagram all the time my dogs I remember my dogs one a lot more than I do anything hey we hey I have a dog (laughs) Instagram account too Oh, see. <laughs> yeah, I'm Lars is for it's formal pups. My husband runs it. He keeps trying to get me to sign on to help like post. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. I'm not I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'll take a picture of our dog after they've eaten like an LOL down. Like, look what a piece of shit I am. And I don't think that's I don't think that's the mood he's going for. But uh, but okay. it's actually okay, but it's, you- it's, go ahead. Sorry. 
ahead. Well, I, go just, ahead I was just saying, it's funny that you're talking about Facebook and it was one of those things that I kind of totally forgot. Like I, until very, very recently had a really solid like line in my social media. Like Facebook was my real life and the people like I knew in real life and I didn't really open up my Facebook friends or anything like that. And I'm still kind of like that. If I don't actually know you, then I'm, I'm a little bit more leery of friending you on Facebook because it's much more of a private profile yeah. for me. And it's really kind of a way to keep a, keep in touch with family and friends. And like, that's where I really share pictures of my kids and talk about kind of like my everyday real life, quote unquote, kind of thing. Um, and I and that's the one place like I joke the few times I've been here, like you can find me at Wisconsin Act or whatever, you know what I mean? On my Twitter handle and it's the same thing all over social media except my facebook is separate um and i really don't mix them up because i feel like and it might be because of when i joined facebook versus everything else but that kind of felt like it was the real like my lane of really keeping in touch with people that i know in real life and i went to school with or that my family who lives in another country or something and i don't want to throw my fandom life into that mix and Twitter really kind of became my fandom outlet to really do like I don't post much on my Facebook account about like ships that I'm into or fanfics or anything like that you'll they'll, they'll, a little bit will eke in there from time to time but it kind of mostly stays about just my kids and my regular life and it's it's really interesting. I didn't really think that much about it until hearing you talk about how how your worlds kind of collide with Facebook. Because mine, I I don't. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's what I initially used it for too. I very the first time I started friending people that weren't like quote unquote in real life friends mm-hmm. kind of thing was very weird because I was like now they're gonna really know my life right. this is really weird and and then and then and then it just seemed okay and then with the supernatural thing the reason I did it with that was that it was people that were local mm-hmm. so it was like okay and it was all women for the most part so it was like okay cool get to know some other local cool people that are into the same kind of stuff that I'm into and, I, and it was really right around the first supernatural well and and here in Denver and so. yeah and that's kind of what it had for me like it would be like okay Mindy and that's when Mindy project is kind of when it bled over a little bit when I would kind of let people from my Twitter world into my real world and then I've worked at and attended a lot of supernatural conventions like a lot um, so people I would meet there, they would find me through on Facebook and we would kind of be friends there, but I still kind of keep them pretty separate just cause I don't like putting pictures of yeah, my kid, yeah. like for the whole world. Yeah. So, but. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually think I became friends with you, Meg and Carla before anybody else in the Denver area through uh, on, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, I actually think it was, it was during the, it was right during uh, the first, the only first and only time I've done Gishwiz. And I think that was, that was when it was, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is a very, it's a very interesting thing. Cause I agree. Twitter and Facebook oh, yeah. are very different yeah. animals. <laughs> I mean, I think they've mm-hmm. kind of become, uh, there's some bleed over now, yes, I think a little bit, they really but are. they're, they're very, very different things so yeah and i've gone back and forth between you know which one i liked more than the other kind of things mm-hmm. so did did you kind of tanya did you kind of keep it separate when 
did you have Twitter and Facebook kind of separate in your yeah, definitely. Um, I think like a lot of you, I, I said that I use it a lot for fandom connections now, but originally it was about family for me with Facebook and Twitter for me. Um, I think I created it. This is funny because I wanted to share something my husband said, but I didn't want to put it on Facebook. But this was at the <laughs> time like sh- shit my dad said was like all the rage on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so it started for some sort of bad joke situation but then I created a kind of a professional for me like academic Twitter is a whole different avenue and Twitter was really created and if you think about why they were created I think the way that we've kind of used them as as uh, users has has followed that Twitter was for meetings Mm -hmm. right and to be able to follow meetings or conference huge conferences in real time and be able to follow um, topics of interest Right. And so I kind of started it. My usage went from telling that joke to much more professional type of presence or just very infrequent. And then when I started my research project, social media use became a a different way to both conduct research and um, recruit people to interview. So like today, part of why I was running late is I threw on Twitter, I put out a, hey, I'd like to talk to some Erpers, some Winona Erp fans. And I just got, they're wonderful. I got like inundated with, with replies, which for me is, you know, probably like six replies, but still that's <laughs> email and scheduling and things like that and back and forth, which is great. And so for academics who are trying to recruit to talk to people and you want to try to find a specific, um, you know, group of people really quickly, it's, it's fantastic because doing my dissertation was not easy to recruit at all like that it was just long enough ago that I didn't I wasn't able to use um social media so mm-hmm. anyway that was a long not funny story <laughs> no, but no, oh well. it, was, it was an interesting story <laughs> <laughs> um I'm, so, I'm sorry Carly did you have do you you keep them separate too right I do I um when I started Twitter I actually joined because you know there were a lot of things showing up on Facebook yeah. that were screenshotted from Twitter and my husband and I what we like to do at night sometimes to to unwind is look at funny stuff that we save for each other we have like this one place where we save where we save all of our all of our funny stuff and so I said you know what why don't I just make a Twitter account I'll start saving some of the stuff directly from the source and that way we'll be you know a leg up on the laughs so my purpose to be on there in the first place was just that, just collecting funny things to show my husband. And then I started talking to a couple of people just, you know, I don't know where, like I, I would comment on one person's thing, somebody that I thought would never get back to me and then they would. And I was like, Oh my God, why? Um, and, then, and eventually, but there was like really only one person that I was really very much in touch with and and she's become one of my great friends. I mean, friends. it's me, and, you know, Carla. You know, we go to each other's kids' things <laughs> and it, it's this whole thing now. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really start... <laughs> no, <Lame>. actually. <laughs> thank you very much. No, no, no. It, it's a friend who, who, as it turns out, is local um, who uh, <laughs> uh, oh, uh-huh. she used to do the, the radio traffic and I, I loved her for like years. And so I, I started following her and she started following me. And I was like, what? And we would joke back and forth. And then we, we actually got together for pizza. And okay. But then with the mini project coming along, 
I started seeing a lot of references to fanfic. I started, you know, being interested in fanfic. I went to mm-hmm. um, a um, archive, of, archive of our own, read the stuff they put on their Twitter handles and started following them on Twitter. And then they would introduce me to these other people who were also on Twitter. And it became this whole big group mm-hmm. of cool friends that I may or may not ever meet. But I, I knew that I wanted to keep my Twitter life separate from my Facebook life for precisely the, the reasons that Meg said that I don't want um, people seeing pictures of my kid and knowing mm-hmm. details about my personal life that I, I'm not comfortable sharing in public. Um, but the, the, the bleeding in st- started very selectively with people that I felt very comfortable with or whom I was already um, meeting in real life. So I, I feel like it's, um, it's led me to, to a lot of really cool interactions on Facebook that are deeper than on Twitter and a lot of hilarious mm-hmm. interactions on Twitter that I would never share on Facebook. <laughs> Anything you <laughs> need, I just Tumblr's, copy and paste. What so. is a tumble? I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, it's very, yeah. And, and, you know, just speaking of that with the <laughs> yeah. over with, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the same way as I was just looking, you know, I have. 217 friends on Facebook, which some of them I'm like, I have no idea who this person is, even though I know I know them, you mm-hmm. know, in some way. Um, and then on <laughs> Twitter, I mm-hmm. follow like 800 people or something. And then I have over a thousand people that follow me. So it's kind of, so that's a big difference right there, you know? Um, and I've had random people friend me on Facebook, right? No clue who they are. They have no mutual friends. And I'm like, there is no way I'm finding you back since I don't know who you are. It's just weird. It's one of those weird things. Um, the only time that right. started happening is, you know, I'm I'm in another um, Facebook group for a different podcast, and I just recently started becoming friend- Facebook friends, even though we talked all the time in those in those rooms on fa- in that room in Facebook. Um, but I, but that's a little bit different because you're already on Facebook with them and kind of talking to them, and I felt okay with that, you know. Um, but I'm sure once I, when I first joined that, I might not have accepted any friend requests from them because I'm like, I don't really know you unless you're like the hosts of the show, then I probably would have, but you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, okay. Well, and we, so we've already kind of touched on finding mm-hmm. friendships through social media. Like that's how all of us met. Um, mm-hmm. you know, even if we haven't met in real life, that's how we all kind of right. met. Um, <laughs> And there's, and we'll sort of touch on the fact that people kind of don't think of those as real friendships um, and the myth of that. Um, because I know for a fact that two of the people on here have become like best friends, and that's <laughs> Meg and Carla. So they're basically like best friends <laughs> through social media, right? That's how you guys, I mean, well, it was through your podcast, Meg, but it was also through social media, correct? That you guys yeah. became. Yeah, we. Yeah. And it's funny because I joke because I, I joke that I talk to Carla probably more <laughs> than my husband. Um, <laughs> just mm-hmm. kind of in general is so yeah, I, I was doing the Mindy Project podcast with my husband. And that was part of why I was getting more involved in Twitter. Like I've had a Twitter account since 2009. But it was really kind of a dormant thing for a while. And it was kind of like what Carla was talking about. like Oh, I see some funny stuff. And I would go and I would look at stuff. But I wasn't a very active user. Um, and then with starting to do the podcast, we started to use my Twitter account as kind of a 
uh, account for the show that we were doing to kind of get people listening because we were trying to um, interact with more of the fandom. And, but yeah, Carly, you were one of the, you were one of the people that we had saw. And then you and I had talked a lot kind of on Twitter. And then I think I was just like, well, (laughs) I'm awesome with DMs and stuff, but let's do somewhere else because my phone sucks or something like that. But I got real thirsty for Carla real quick, but now, (laughs) but I love that. So we've been best friends. Like we have, we travel together. We, you know, we go and we do things together all the time and mm-hmm. we have private Carla. Carla was at, came to my house for my, my we, birthday we this past year. Carla I have not yet made it down to exactly where Carla lives, but I've gotten close because <laughs> flights are really expensive <laughs> there. <laughs> um, but it's, it's so funny that like our main form of communication is actually through Google Hangouts. Like that's where we live. And I found out that Google is getting rid of Hangouts and I'm like, I don't know how I'm ever going to speak to oh. Carla again. <laughs> I don't, but it's, but it's, yes. but it's so that's funny, it. Carla, because we hardly ever talk. On I the guess phone. we're breaking up. That, that's all that there is to it we just can't talk anymore we Sorry. don't text we don't text all well, that this... much like 90 percent of our communication <laughs> know, is either is through hangouts or tagging each other and shit on facebook and twitter she was one of the few people who it's i let hangouts. into my to my real life and now i won't let her go um <laughs> <laughs> yeah see and that and that to me proves that when people say that these friendships aren't <laughs> real that that's BS. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that there aren't ones that aren't real or fake or that there's not a lot of, you know, there's catfishing. Yeah. I mean, men, <laughs> child, but I mean, there's, but I mean, but I'm, so I'm not saying that, but I mean, like, this podcast would not exist without people I have met through social media. Honestly, it would not exist without that, without me throwing out to my local supernatural groups first, uh, local women of letters group, you know, and, and gauging interest. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't exist without that, without that. So it's like, so to me, it's very real thing. It's, um, you know, when people insult social media or put it down, I understand there are a lot of bad negative things with it, but the positives of it have to me far outweigh that just because I've met so many amazing people through it. Well, and I, um, and so that, that to me is a blessing, you know, and, and I think the people I've met through it are, have become better friends than maybe some other people that I've known, you know, without social media kind of yeah. thing. And I'm, I'm not trying yeah. to insult my friends. But, I'm just saying that. I mean, know, I think, I think there are levels that though, because I have friends on social media that like they're convention friends or whatever, you know, they're friends that is like, okay, we yeah. we're like, Oh, you're going to this convention. Me too. And we'll go and we'll hang out and, and we'll have a great time. And there's nothing like, there's nothing against It's not poo pooing those friendships. You know what I mean? They're, but they're mm-hmm. different than say, um, Carla for me or like another small, like yeah. I, I have a few like friends that I'm like ride or die for that I met through social media mm-hmm. or that I met through that Gishwiz, uh, chat room that we talked for, talked about, um, mm-hmm. where that's kind of where we bled over to Facebook together. Um, Aaron. So it's, it's there's mm-hmm. just like but it's just like any other level of friendship like i have real life friends who i'm like oh yeah it'll be cool we bump into each other and we chat and we have a good time yeah but they're not someone that i'm going to sit around and talk about like 
real shit with. You know, so yeah. I, I don't feel like it's yeah. any yeah. different than real life friends. And Carla and I have actually had this conversation a lot. <laughs> She's my Wi-Fi wife. Mm-hmm. So I have... <laughs> No, that's mm-hmm. that's awesome. I have yeah. two things to add. Yeah. Yeah. I think that whole yes. boundary policing, <laughs> you know, the sanctioning about, oh, these aren't real relationships is mm-hmm. a very gendered um, critique because it's, you know, we're, it's women who find each other a lot through these through these relationships and build community. And so I feel like in some ways it's a way to invalidate and undermine women's important friendships with one another as adults. So that would be like my, my feminist bitchy rant about it. And two, without social media relationships, we never would have learned that Meg was a prodigy, a Right. And I mean, so Tanya, Tanya, I think that knows more about me than some of my dearest <laughs> real life friends, because I completely forgot that this was something that I did. <laughs> yeah. Right on. And I mean, I wouldn't have had my life ruined for the month of January by fan fiction recommendations from this group. So thanks for that, guys. You're like. Welcome. I'm still so sad that I wasn't on the podcast, but then I realized it never, ever would have ended had I been on it. (laughs) You would still be right. Okay. I'm going to actually talk about it now, guys. Um, Well, and I want to, I want to segue a little bit because the other big thing with um, Facebook and especially Twitter or more so with Twitter, I would say, and, and Instagram too, I guess, um, is interacting with um, stars, with celebrities, with uh, creators of shows, um, which has been both a good thing and a bad thing. I think, Um, do you guys interact a lot with creators and celebrities? Do you Carla on Twitter? No, I, I really don't. And I think it's really neat to have that kind of access. And it's really special that um, that these people are willing to take the time to do this. But I think it can be, um, mm-hmm. it can become toxic for many reasons. One, on the one side, it can be toxic for the um for the creators and the writers and the actors, because they're just exposed to all of this. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're just so much more visible than they really need to be. And it, it's, uh, they really can't do anything out of a very proper square line because mm-hmm. then they're subject to harassment by all of these complete strangers online. And they're already very, um, public lives become even more so so that to the point where they can't really do anything without somebody posting a picture of them um, online and, and possibly jeopardizing their kids' safety, their family safety, their own, of course. And it, so, it, you know, that's on that side. And on the fan side, it can create this very false sense of closeness to these people. Um, there are a lot of people that I've seen who unfortunately become convinced that they are closer to these um, high profile people than they actually are. And then it it becomes this uh, very, uh, it's just kind of sad to witness because you want them to have this friendship that they really long for, but you on the outside are seeing how 
unrealistic their expectations and needs and beliefs of this relationship are, but they fully and wholeheartedly believe that that no, you know, if I don't go to this convention, this person's going to be sad or disappointed. And they may well be sitting there thinking, oh, well, you know, I where's this person who's always at these conventions, but they're not, you know, as upset as you think they are. And um, they have mm-hmm. more of a, it, it just becomes unrealistic to the point where it's unhealthy. So I, I, I just really think that, that right now we're at a point where people are really in need of um, understanding what the boundaries really are. And I think a lot, unfortunately, a lot of these high profile people contribute to that not necessarily knowing how mm-hmm. much they are negatively affecting oh, yeah. their their fans and their followers. Oh, I was just going to talk about because I figured it's my turn next. Um, yeah, so yeah, um, I've had some interactions with some of like the blue checks and stuff like that. Um, actually, today, which is, <laughs> and it's funny that it, this happened today because it was the same kind of thing where people kind of feel like an ownership of these higher profile of Twitter accounts. Like as fans, like we own a piece of these people. Um, and it's always been kind of a weird thing for me because it's like, I, I do, I did, I don't anymore, but I did go to a lot of like supernatural conventions and the cast and especially like Misha Collins are very open and, and very like within the fandom. And it is very, very easy to feel like that closeness that you feel during a convention and with like the text message things that he sets up and things like that and to feel that and it does lead to a bit of a drop after a convention after you see them and you spend time with them and stuff like that and they like remember your name and it feels very very good to to have that um but i I don't go to conventions very much anymore but it I can kind of see where Carla's talking about of how that can be kind of detrimental if you don't get that. It's almost like a drug, <laughs> like getting that kind of mm-hmm. validation and recognition from someone that you admire so much, famous or not, like someone that you really, really admire recognizing you and validating you is very addictive. Um, but on kind of a little bit of the the other side of it, like this morning, like, um, a show that I really, really enjoyed was Timeless, and one of the actors, Malcolm Barrett, was on it. And he had made a tweet this morning about how this pilot season for network TV, there was only one show with a predominantly black cast and no shows with a predominantly other people of color mm-hmm. cast. And he is just and he was kind of just venting. And this this is a guy who's just trying to get work. You know, like he's just trying to get a job like anybody else would be tweeting about frustrations about trying to get a job. And then someone decided to hop on there and be like, well, this is Mm -hmm. anecdotal evidence. This isn't real things. I know that there are plenty of network TV shows that have people of color on them. And that's just first off, that's just not true. (laughs) There's not. Mm -hmm. And so just witnessing this kind of debate that he's actually having to have to try and like justify his frustrations with trying to get a job in a predominantly white industry and trying to justify this with one fan 
I was like, God, could you imagine just like, I, I mean, Tanya, you talked about like, you got six replies and you're like, that's a lot. Bro. I could, I like, I could not imagine yeah. getting like yeah. bombarded with replies. Like Misha Collins mm-hmm. recently did a political mm-hmm. endorsement. And if you look at his mentions, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me. Like I've had some interactions with, with celebrities on social media and I try and really kind of just separate from that though because it I feel like the more you know about someone (laughs) the harder it is to like admire them from afar if you know what I mean like I can't sit here and hero worship and objectify you if I know you no I'm just kidding (laughs) if I know who you are as a person yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah. you just stay being this hot guy here who I like in general Um, but it was really interesting now. I, and I just had that in my mind when I was reading this whole Twitter exchange um, going on this morning that I, of course, got involved in because I'm a monster and I can't not. That's when I got called the chief Karen. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. But like, that's that's a valid critique to make um, by an actor oh. who's affected by it. And I don't I mean, I don't want to go. Well, that'll be another time. But um, I'm <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> go, Tanya. Now talking. I'm going to cover yes, my mouth, go. so shut okay, up. Um, <laughs> yeah, here it goes. Um, no, it's, so I actually look at this, and it's this is part of my, my research, so I'm going to kind of talk about it and try to make it comprehensible, but also, you know, not um, sort of be biased. But it's, you know, if you look at Twitter and, and other people than me look, have said this and have studied this as well but there's it's a performance right you it was very clear to me I guess you know as much as I love the the characters of Supernatural and that even the actors um they're actors right and that's their job mm-hmm. is to give you this um constructed version of themselves or this product so just as we all turn ourselves into a role commodity if you will at our jobs like Professor Tanya is is Tanya but it's not um, I'm not the same way at home, right? I don't go home and ask my family what they want for dinner and get out a PowerPoint and like <laughs> quote samples to you them, don't? right? And stuff like that. So it's not just, I don't, <laughs> it, it, weirdly, they don't, they don't respond to um, quantitative data that 30% of the sample wants pizza every night. But anyway, um, so like, yeah, so it's, it's not disingenuous. It's not that it's not me. Um, and it's not, I don't think it's that we're not getting Misha or we're not getting, you know, authentic pieces, if you will, or parts of this individual. I'm not saying that it's inauthentic, but I do think it's a performance. And I think we have to remember that. And it makes sense to me because that person gets to be an individual. And if they want to have a private side that is just for them and their family, I think that's appropriate and you know, we should respect that just as we would respect it with each other. Like there's things I want to talk about and I don't want to talk about on Facebook. Right. And there's things I want to talk about in a professional Mm -hmm. context and things I don't. And this isn't me like sanctioning fans or anything. This is saying that I understand that as a person who has a multifaceted life. But when I started going to conventions, it was very clear to me that, um, first of all, it was fascinating to see people at a con versus online versus their character and kind yes. of realize the very different um, formats mm-hmm. that that takes. And, and I just found that just really, I, I mean, people fascinate me. So 
Yeah, but it's for for me, I wouldn't be doing this project without someone like Misha because um, and it's not necessarily him as an individual person. It's what he's been able to do with the fandom and the way he's been able to um, kind of tap into the emotional energy among fandom to get them to like work toward charity and and even kind of political activism, like whether you agree with his politics historically or as of late or not, I think raising money for um, people in Laos to remove uh, unexploded ordinance is a political piece of activism, whatever your personal um, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal politics are, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So also like talking about the checkmark thing, it is very interesting um, to kind of have a little bit of that interaction. So funny, funnily enough, I went to an academic conference last week and I had to explain Gish to a bunch of people that um, don't know what it is and nobody knew Misha Collins and nothing. I was like, okay, um, it's like this. And I made it, I, in my head, I sort of made this analogy and then I tweeted it and I didn't tag Misha. I tagged Gish, I think, cause I thought I don't want to, I try not to tag people, you know, cause I'm like, I just, I don't really need that attention. I just sort of want to speak to this audience because I think it's amusing. And somehow he saw it and retweeted it. I saw it. that tweet. And my, <laughs> the, yeah. That was me. Let me go follow you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Follow me. Follow me to the, I don't know, bad joke mountain. Um, but yeah. So... <laughs> So follow me to the <laughs> quasi-academic and semi-coherent ramblings of, of me. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that, that was really fascinating because I only, I only knew because I fell asleep early and my phone just started exploding at like midnight. And I was like, what the hell? Um, and so that was why. So I, I just thought that was um, just really, it was interesting because then people were applying and several, I got, of course, like 20 new followers or something. And it just, it, I can't imagine what it is like to have that kind of level of interaction mm -hmm. constantly, you know? And I felt like I went through a few and tried to reply just because I am, I think Meg, you're from Wisconsin mm -hmm. yes. and I am too. Yes, I am. And, and now right? you have 21 right? followers. Okay. I just found yeah. your tweet. And and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sweet 21 whatever i didn't count but like in like in the midwestern nicest you're like you're like i gotta reply i mean these people the people you know i gotta here. be polite here and yeah. you you can't like not wave mm -hmm. at somebody and that's rude though. Thank you from Illinois. no i'm just kidding but... <laughs> that's a that's a man man I just want to well, say the the blue check marks on Twitter. Um, first of all, that's a great band name, and I call it. Um, <laughs> but the blue check marks. But also, uh, any I just want to say like thanks to all of them who have retweeted and supported me and other fan projects. Because honestly, as an academic, mm -hmm. that's that's so. Um, we, we I mean that's appreciative. At the same time, I don't know the word for like that's wonderful, but it also creates uh -huh. an intense like panic response because all of us ha all yeah. of us academics have anxiety disorders I'm saying sure. it's, it's one yeah. anxiety one anxiety yes yes and so you're <laughs> like this is great but holy shit now I have to like know what I'm doing 
and it triggers <laughs> oh no it's it's, huh. it's, well, it's i appreciate it well i can see that yeah, yeah. well and kind of so- the thing thank you and the thing that kind of that we were talking about as far as like social media and people like feeling people feeling entitled fans feeling entitled to a lot more information a lot more of insight and ownership of celebrities and how we all they wear different hats like and you're talking tiny about it being a performance art the thing is is we're all like that everybody does that we like the the four of us have been talking about how like our facebook life and our twitter life are separate like and how we have Instagram accounts that are for a specific thing and Twitter. And it's the same thing that they do, but none of mm-hmm. us are famous. So no one cares. And no one feels like, <laughs> right. like, I don't think anyone feels like they quote unquote, know me through my random tweets. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't have like the pressure of trying to keep up a social media account um, and be famous yet. Well, and, and, and it's just, it's another way for them to market themselves. It's just a tool yeah. to market themselves. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and there are a lot of mm-hmm. celebrities that'll never be on social media or something like that, but it's just another marketing tool. Some people, some celebrities don't even run their own Twitter or Instagram accounts and stuff. Um, so sometimes it's their assistant or somebody else running it, or sometimes it's both. And you can, sometimes you can tell, you know, sometimes they take an Ambien and tweet some really offensive stuff. And then they just say that it was their assistant. Uh (laughs) Yeah. And then they end up getting, you know, murdered off of their own show that had their namesake, which was fine. But anyway, (laughs) it's fine. Everything is great. I wasn't even talking about about that one. Oh, I thought, because I think that's what, I think that's pretty sure that's what she said when she got, with that she took a drug. Anyway, um, but I know. What show was that? I don't know. Sorry. Roseanne. 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 Oh, God. Okay. Roseanne, who totally turned into this, sorry, little tangent here, but, you know, I grew up watching Roseanne. And I, yeah, loved, me too. I loved that show. And when she became this huge Trump supporter, it's so against everything that show was about that yeah. it was just so bizarre. Yeah. It's like, what in the world? Um, anyway, just a little tangent about her. But but that kind of uh brings me back to what I was what I was uh gonna mention earlier is that with with Twitter and with interacting with the creators and the stars is that you can get to the point where it's, it's kind of the cancel culture and stuff like that, where people do feel they own this celebrity. And while it's, while I think sometimes it's good to call out people and to do that kind of stuff, it can lead to something that, and I'm not a big fan of Bill Maher at all, but Bill Maher mentioned it where people will literally get death threats. Um, Their families will get death threats over anything they said. And this happens to everybody on every side of the aisle, liberal, Democrat, everything. Um, You know, it, and that's, that's a part where I think that leads into the downside of social media and um, the badness is that you do end up thinking you own these people and you don't treat them as human beings. And it it can become very dangerous. Um, You know, it can lead to different, it's a different form of like the stalker kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, yeah. And, and when people get any kind of interaction with a celebrity, it can be very, po- it can be a very great feeling, but then I think sometimes people go too far and think that it literally means this person is your friend, you know? Um, yeah. and you know, the only taste yeah. I've ever gotten of getting like 
overwhelmed with responses where I had to mute the tweet was uh, this past summer when um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, the Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, there was an article that was released. Um, there was a thing written by the daughter of Bruce Lee because one of the biggest problematic things in that movie is the portrayal of Bruce Lee in that movie. Um, and there was a whole article written about that. And I don't even remember what I said, but I replied on there, you know, saying, you know, this is because people were attacking the daughter and saying, well, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And I'm like, she's the daughter. She's his family member, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember kind of defending her or something. And it was something I had to mute because I got so many replies and so many likes and so many just all this weird stuff. It was like sort of that brief little taste of what it's got to be like to be in that public eye and being on Twitter mm-hmm. um, and saying anything that anyone might have any kind of issue with. Um, even if you're saying something positive, it's just, it's just, it's got to be kind of scary. I would think it's got to be anxiety inducing. And I know a lot of them just mute their replies and don't even notice, but um, that's got to be very anxiety inducing. I would think. Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, that's, that's kind of what I was trying to express a little bit is I, I've actually been interviewed and and spoken about cancel culture a bit, and I have um, kind of more nuanced thoughts about it. But I think for me, there's that fear as an individual that, you know, I don't, first of all, if I make a mistake that offends someone, I, I want to, you know, own that and be responsible for it and try to make amends and of course learn and do better. So I don't have any issues with being held accountable. I'm not saying that it's more that cancellation is a step beyond that. And I don't, I don't want my entire work or field or, you know, things I'm involved in to be um, disregarded because of the way it's read, or maybe I've, you know, miss misspoken or something like that. So that's, that's kind of a challenge. And I think for me, the anxiety is, is thinking about being canceled you know, with some of this mm-hmm. or thinking about the responsibility of being given um, a platform, if you will. And like, where does that, that lead? Where does the boundary for that end or not, you know? And I think the only issue I have with cancel culture is really um, there needs to be a way to hold people accountable, but there also needs to be a way to, in certain contexts, um, redeem yourself and make amends. Like obviously, people who have done horrible things, like Bill Cosby, etc. No, re- no redemption there. Mm-hmm. Um, in my in my mind, really. Um, but there, I think there needs to be when when people kind of. I guess I'm thinking of. Um, I'm not sure if everybody's aware of Terry Crews. Kind of said some things that were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know, I don't necessarily want to go into the whole um, thing because I don't know that I know that much about it. But what I, from what I understand about it, he, he said things in a way that people really found problematic, but his intent was absolutely not to be offensive. So I think you got to kind of think about intent and impact, but also he could, there could be a way he could own the impact and apologize and move on, right? Well, like, Yeah, well, and kind of tag on to that as far as like trying to make redemption redeem yourself or whatever is like on top of that and not i'm not talking about because there are some things that you do in your past that you just them coming to light is not and it's not like okay or anything like that but sometimes when you when you're younger you say stupid stuff mm-hmm. um and i think one of the things i've seen a lot about cancel culture is people will have said something or it'll come to light that a celebrity has said something 20 years ago and people are mm-hmm. like, 
jumping on like that's it they're canceled there's no way in the past 20 years they could have informed themselves and come to a different opinion or come to something better um and i can't think of an example off the top of my head but i've i've seen that so much we're like well look what this person did 30 40 50 years ago now we can't have anything to do with them <laughs> it's right. like yeah even, yeah, if, that, yeah. even right. if they say yes this is something i said at this point but through introspection and blah and you know on and on and on i've come to the conclusion mm-hmm. that i was wrong like that's it they're done and that's really frustrating yeah yeah and and um just want to jump in here because i know carla has to go um really soon here and like in like 10 minutes or so so i want to make sure if there's anything else that um you need to add you want to add really quickly um but if you does there anything else you want to add carla before you leave yeah just uh for one thing as far as cancel culture um i think that seems to happen more on a uh, among regular people than necessarily celebrities because i think with celebrities they unless they just go out of their way to Mm -hmm. apologize wrong they Mm -hmm. can kind of get back on 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 top fairly quickly because they usually have more fans than detractors and there's usually more of a goodwill among their fans where the fans might be upset with them for some while then be like oh Mm -hmm. okay well i'm back um versus just you know, regular people who might get harassed off the internet into therapy because they're just being bombarded in ways that they can't escape and for which they have no no such support network. Um, but um, there, there's also, I think, uh, a general lack of willingness to understand that people are just people and people do things that are messed up. Um, I'm not saying like, you know, mm-hmm. lethal messed up or, you know, whatever, but, but just, you know, th- they'll say things in the, in the moment that if they had had more uh, time to think, they may not have said, um, not saying that, you know, that, that if it's a, if a racial epithet, and that, that, that's kind of less forgivable, I, I would think than something else, but, they, they may misspeak in, in, in the moment. They may, um, I, I, I saw one time one person who posted, who tweeted a quote from something that they really loved. And somebody came in and said, you should delete that because it was written by this person who did this horrible thing in the past. So the person was like, oh, I wasn't aware. Um, but right now I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm feeling very low and I, I can't really deal with that right now. I can't really process it. I will come back to it, but at this very moment, I just can't because it, this quote has always meant so much to me. And this person was just, you know, bombarding them with messages. I was like, no, you need to delete it now and you need to apologize for posting it in the first place. And other people were jumping in and also, you know, saying, I'm going to block this person because obviously they're horrible. And it, it's just, that's the kind of cancel culture that I think is the more toxic, yeah. toxic and dangerous one. Because this is a person who has no real recourse. They don't have legions of fans yeah, mm-hmm. coming in to defend them. And they don't have access to the same resources to kind of bounce back from it. And this person ended up having to, you know, kind of delete their account for a bit. And, you know, it, it was just this whole thing all over a quote that has meant something to them for decades that they just mm-hmm. in that moment found out was written by somebody that yeah. is unsavory. Um, 
and, and I, I just think that we have such low tolerance these days and we have way too much access to each other these days. And I think that the confluence of those things is just not healthy in a it's lot of It's somewhat dystopian. Like I was thinking about, is it when you were saying that, um, is it Minority Report or 1984 that had the thought police? I, I don't recall. Minority Report. Yeah, yes. oh, Minority like, Report. In, in the way that I think you're describing, Carla, it's like we are all the thought police, you know, and it's you can kind of like make right. someone like I didn't realize apparently Lewis Carroll was a terrible um, pedophile, which I didn't know. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, oh, I, I and no I idea. don't I haven't verified that, but I someone that I believe and trust told me that and I went okay that's not good um as he was you know writing about um children and there's some speculation about the act you know yuck right so if someone says their favorite movie is Alice in Wonderland am I gonna immediately be like you know you're terrible because if they don't know this you know right and and I love the poem Jabberwocky until like I heard that you know which was three weeks ago or something so it's And, and that's just it. Not everybody right. is privy to the same information and not being privy to it doesn't mean that you're, um, that you're not as intelligent or as I see so often. It's like, you know, you should have known this by now, or it's been um, out there for years and there's no excuse mm-hmm. for to not know this. There is an excuse. And it's that people don't necessarily follow the same interests in the same, um, uh, the same people that you do. So just because you saw it all over your timeline on Twitter three well, years and, ago and doesn't mean I, that this person saw it. And even kind of, and it's just yeah. so mean. And even kind yeah, of beyond it's, it's that, so though, like we can have a conversation about death of the author or something like that mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. But somebody who you find out later, or even someone being terrible or having this dark part about them, making a beautiful piece of work, them being a terrible person does not negate what that piece of work means to you as a person and individual, because we're all on our own journeys in life. And there are some things that mean a lot to you that later on in your life, like Alice in Wonderland is something that shaped, I know several people mm-hmm. deeply and moved them very, very deeply. And so and suddenly, so suddenly yeah. that impact on them, that shape helped, helping to shape who they are that doesn't count anymore because this there's this person who wrote it is mm-hmm. <laughs> bad i guess it's yeah. it's tough you have yeah, to kind of think about like the multiple truths like i was thinking even for me growing up the cosby show mm-hmm. was really important to me as an individual um of course i find bill cosby reprehensible and and her- that's horrific and we shouldn't excuse that but the show um, at the same time, I guess I should, shouldn't say, but I should say, and the show helped me because I was from a small town and I did not see any other positive representations of African-Americans yes. um, in popular media. And I know how important that was for, for African-Americans of that generation. And so, yeah, it's like, I want to acknowledge that, but also at the same time say, yeah, he should die in prison. Well, and I think, yeah. and I it's, think kind of, sorry. I, I just want to make I just want to make sure just because I know it's coming close to Carla leaving and yeah. so I want to make sure that she gets to say goodbye. So, sorry, Carla. <laughs> sorry, I just want to interrupt here and just okay. um, no, it's okay. Kind of just circle back to you, Carla. So if you want to just um, since I know it's like what two minutes sure. you have to go, right? 
I want to make, yeah. Okay. So if you want to just say, yeah, and tell everybody where they can find you. And then if you want to plug anything, go for it. Okay. Um, I'm Carla Demis. I uh, currently would like to plug my art because I'm going right now to a gallery opening for um, a, a new exhibit called Botanicals of the Broward Art Guild. I will also be having my own exhibit at uh, the Pompano Beach Branch Library from, uh, what is it, April 18th through May 18th. And you can find me online at Her Gala, Art Gala is the prettiest art of all the art. Yeah, she's an amazing Yay. photographer. So, oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Thank, Thank you, you for sharing. Yeah, she's an Thank amazing you. photographer and an amazing writer, too. I'm going to say that, too. And so, person. Yeah, so. She's the best. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, thank Aww. you so much, Carla. <laughs> thank you. And have fun tonight. Bye. Okay. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you some other time. Um, thank you. I, okay. I just wanted to kind of touch a little bit on because you're talking about the Cosby and that being kind of a tough thing. It's and it's the thing is that frustrates me is it's people online especially don't give anyone permission to mourn the loss right. of. Mm-hmm. That's true. Something that's important to you. And I think one of the biggest examples, not even just Bill Cosby, he was a huge one, but look at Michael Jackson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this, that man shaped music as we know it today. He mm-hmm. was, and he was like, for me, especially when I was a kid, he was a huge part of my childhood and everything like that. And find it like, and I know that it, it's one of those things where it's like, it was one of those open secrets that everyone kind of, allowed to happen and looked away from and it's only been fairly recently that it's been held accountable but i think the most frustrating thing about that is is really hard for us now and i think social media has really hurt our ability to separate the art from the artist mm-hmm. um yep. and it really interesting. it really mm-hmm. doesn't let us grieve the loss cuz finding stuff out about finding out about bill cosby finding out about like this whole me too campaign and finding out about how many people that we loved as children growing up or even as young adults or as adults did these terrible things and taking a second to grieve that is not allowed anymore. Like we're not allowed Mm -hmm. to be like, you're right. He did these terrible things, but Mm -hmm. I'm trying to come to terms with that because this person was so integral to my life. (laughs) yeah i think that's that's fair and i also think that we need to consider with some of this um our reaction to this what like a bit of a restorative justice model like what would the victims want to see happen what would a path forward look like for the victims like how i think that that should be considered um, well absolutely i'm not not trying to like discount i'm not trying to discount any of that i'm just talking about Mm -hmm. like a personal kind of not on and that's the thing is like this isn't something that you should be posting on social media or anything like that but just kind of a reckoning with yourself yeah um and trying to deal with that because obviously i think the victims of these horrible things that were done deserve to have their justice they deserve to have that reckoning of watching these figures fall yeah. And they deserve to mm-hmm. and they deserve to follow. And I'm not saying that I'm like, yeah, Bill Cosby was great. You know what I mean? 
or like mm-hmm. Michael Jackson is fantastic and everything like that. It's just kind of, but they still had an impact. But they had a huge yeah. impact on people. The impact, that like we had. were saying, yeah. you know, about Roseanne. I think uh, one option, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, and I wasn't disagreeing with you at all, Meg. I was, I was thinking. I just wanted to put that out there because I was <laughs> thinking for Roseanne, if if fans had gotten together and said, "Look, this, your comments were problematic for these reasons," and if she expressed remorse and genuine desire to make amends for this and donated money to a charity organization, right. That of the people she insulted or mm-hmm. something like that to me, th- that's what I mean by a somewhat of a restorative justice model in this way, not for, not necessarily for people who actually commit crimes. Yeah. Right. Like that's, um, but I was even thinking of like JK Rowling, you know, oh, and yeah. um, I'm done with her, but I still love Harry Potter. Right. And I still love the phantom. Um, so if she actually came out and said, look, I've, I've re- reconsidered and I'm sorry and I want to do better, you know, what would that model look like? What would she have to do to make, make amends to all the fans just devastated? Well, and her, honestly, that's a fantastic, that's honestly, that's the perfect example. Um, mm-hmm. because, and it's been interesting to watch on the outside because I did not read Harry Potter. I've never seen the movies. Um, Oh, someone else just yeah, like me. I, I've, oh, I've never seen the movies, and I only just in the past few years started reading the book because my sister wouldn't leave me alone about it. Um, so I, I, and people my age, so I'm in my mid 30s, so I'm a few years older, quote unquote, than Harry Potter was at the time. And I know what a big impact he's had on so many kids growing up's lives. Like this, these books meant so much mm-hmm. to people. And and it just never had that for me. So I've been watching kind of from the edges of J.K. Rowling's tumbles, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and watching the people who this, her books, her, the, the Harry Potter series meant so much to and they shaped so much. And they're kind of trying to deal with exactly what we've been talking about, like, the pedestal that they put her on and trying to reconcile how important the books were to the, to shaping who they are with the author, not being who they projected her to be. Yeah. And not, not being the kind of ally and the spokesperson. Yeah. It's tough. And 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 I think, you know, for us as older people, it's, I think for me, older, I'm saying older, I'm putting my, I'm older than y'all, but anyway, um, it's still, I think I can now reconcile, all right, that person is not necessarily, like, I can love something and still critique it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, case in point, Harry Potter. It's not perfect. I can enjoy it and also find a lot of problems with it. I think the same is true of the people that produce these works. And I mean, the same is true of Supernatural, yeah, frankly, yeah. if we want to. Yeah. Yeah. If oh, we yeah. want to go there, yeah. we'll, we'll we go can go there. Yeah. Time. <laughs> Not we'll today. Get to that big time later. Like, <laughs> yeah. With our supernatural. Episode. Aaron's like, yeah. I got mm-hmm. stuff to do, you guys. I'll just, I just want to add really quickly to that, to what you guys are talking about. I just want to mention a couple of things because it's something that I struggle with personally. Like, there's a couple of, there's the movie Into the Wild, which was directed by Sean Penn, which Sean Penn is a very, very problematic person and stars Emile Hirsch, who I don't know if you guys know about the whole thing that happened in, in, um, uh, you know, um, ah, it's Sundance. That's oh, Sundance. No, are you no, gonna ruin no. Emil Hirsch for me now? Yeah, he literally physically attacked a woman oh, there. God. So, 
Yeah. And I, and I, and into the wild is this very, very, very personal movie for me. It means it was one of the most cathartic experiences I've ever had watching a movie. I cried and cried and cried for hours afterwards. And so it's like this hard thing of like, now I, I see Emil Hirsch in a different light, but I still have to hold on to that movie because that movie mm-hmm. means so much to me personally. And I think Sean Penn is kind of an ass, but that movie means something to me. So it's, it's that thing of being like, okay, I can acknowledge that these people that made this, I now realize what jerks they are, but I'm still going to love this art form. And I'm still going to think that the performance is amazing and should have gotten awards and stuff like that. So I'm still going to, you know, think that way, but I, but you know, it's the, it, I just wanted to mention that really quickly because that's what it really made me think of was that movie most recently. So yeah, sorry to re sorry to ruin Emile Hirsch. But no, I, I yeah, felt, just go but it's such, no, it's an important I... reckoning that we kind of all have to yeah. have with each yeah. other. And I think it's something that's a lot easier for older people, um, for like el- older millennials and generations before that to kind of be able to do because we didn't have so many younger people have always had Mm -hmm. this kind of access um and this amount of like knowledge just boom 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 instantly told to you um that it's hard i don't know It, it feels like it's harder now to have feel a deep connection and impact to a piece of work than it was when I was younger. And I think some of that is you're always so aware of the creators and the people involved and the actors mm-hmm. and, and directors and what kind of like reputations that you know, like, it's all there. Yeah. And you're I think, expected to yeah. be, you can be held accountable for the consumption or the love. Of exactly. Now. Yeah. Like I think um, there was, um, I, so I've never seen the movie Baby Driver, but I hear it's a really good movie. And my husband, yeah, it I is. hear it's fantastic. My husband, the yeah. music is what makes my it husband. Great. My <laughs> husband saw it like before all of the Kevin Spacey stuff. Yeah, so he saw it and he was just like, "This is a really good movie," and, and I didn't know anything about it. And the other, I think it was like three weeks ago, he was like, "I really want you to see like this opening." Uh, he's like, "I want you to see the opening scene because it's really really cool." And so he put it on and it was somewhere in the middle and I saw Kevin Spacey and I was like, I can't watch this. <laughs> it was like, yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't sit here and watch anything that that man has to do. But my, but I sat through the first scene and then that was it. And I was like, that was really cool, but now I can't. And it's been, in, it's a weird thing to kind of deal with now, like knowing this person is a horrible person. It doesn't feel kind of right to enjoy something that yeah. they did. And it's weird, right? It's so, that's so, I have one more thing, two more things to add, then I'll shut up. Okay. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I, I think too, like a less, I, okay, I have a Kevin Spacey thing, but not right now, later. I have Um, have so so, many things to say too. Like, yeah, talk, talking about, so I have really big issues with some of Scarlett Johansson's choices. Yes. In the last couple of years. And I don't even know the full details about some of that. So I have big issues with that. But mm-hmm. I think she is a fantastic actor, and I've loved her as Black Widow. And I recently watched um, Jojo Rabbit because yes, I, I love Jojo love Rabbit. Taika Waititi like big time, and I never want to hear bad stuff. I about haven't him. I hope seen. He never does I, bad stuff. I haven't seen that yet, and I was really hesitant to. But now I really yeah. want to see it. Like finding so out that it, that he was that involved, movie. I was like, okay, I should yeah. watch that. He's yeah. great and she movie. is wonderful in it. And I just have to mm-hmm. say like, and so that was really hard. Cause I'm like, she's so 
I didn't know if I should watch it because <laughs> I have those problems mm-hmm. with her. Um, but I, I wanted to support this film um, because of other reasons. And I wanted to watch it and I did. And it, she was great. So, I mean, you have to kind of, you know, be able to say both of those things. And then I think the other example of, I want to mourn. I'm a big nineties basketball fan. I want to mourn, but I also want to hold people accountable is Kobe Bryant. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have, I, you know, he means a lot to my brother personally as an athlete. And I know he means a lot to a lot of people, but I read the reports, the official reports of the, the case in Colorado of assault. And it's just, it's real hard to, um, you know, to feel like, we should celebrate someone. Well, like kind that, of, and the thing know. is, it's like trying to compartmentalize yeah. between their personal problems and the, like we were talking about, like personal issues and illegalities and personal failings as human beings versus their impact to something greater than them. Yes. And, and I think, yeah. yeah and I think Which there's a difference so cool. between being problematic and being just downright bad scarlett johansson mm-hmm. i think is problematic mm-hmm. exactly yeah sure. and kevin spacey is kevin right. spacey yeah. deserves yeah. to be so in there, prison there is a very mm-hmm. yeah there's yeah there's a very big you know there's a very but big so there's a difference media. there because i don't like scarlett johansson either but i don't think she yeah. should be in prison but, for the but social time. media tends so to it's, conflate it's a very issue. different mm-hmm. oh no they do they do they do and yeah so Okay, well, on that note, we're going to end this. As you can tell, we've been talking about this for a long time. And we're going to talk about (laughs) I know, I know. Because that'll be a whole separate episode. Because, yeah, this it always happens where I'm like, okay, we'll have enough time. And we never do. But um, so we'll definitely be touching on more of these subjects, uh, topics, sorry, at a different point. But I just want to go around and have Meg Meg and Tanya say where they can be found, if they want to be found, and if they have anything to plug. So I'll start with you, Meg. Um, yeah, you can find me on all the things except obviously Facebook um, <laughs> at Wisconsinach, which is W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H because I'm a big Outlander nerd. Um, and I don't really have anything to plug right now. Hmm. Watch watch the streak. That's all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. And hey, thank you. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at AK Nerd Fighting. Um, that's my uh, fandom research project. Um, and yeah, I don't know if I have anything to plug when I when I have my article in press. I will I will tell you. So awesome. Okay, and this is Aaron. And before I tell you where we can find where you can find us and me, um, I just want to make a quick announcement. Um, and nobody else on here knows this yet. Um, this is something that I'm looking to do, and I'm calling. And this is also something that I'm publicly putting out there, calling to people. Um, I would like to um, also do interview segments on this show. What I would like to do is a separate um, episode where it's just interviewing someone. I want to interview creators. Um, people like Tanya as well. Um, you know, people that study fandom, people that cosplay a lot, people that, um, are creators, actors, whatever. Um, and I just, I just think it would be just a very interesting thing to add to this show, um, to get their perspectives, um, to just see what they're doing. The only requirements is you don't have to be I know this is a female-centered show, but you don't have to be female or female identifying. 
Um, the only requirement is that your what you are doing in some way is trying to help people that are underrepresented, uh, sorry, underrepresented um, people that, you know, any diversity that you're trying to bring um, in any way. So either you have to be in that class or you have to be someone who's trying to help people um, in any kind of way. So if you are at all interested in being interviewed, um, you know, I just thought it'd be a nice way to help people that, especially if people uh, need to find more of an audience, stuff like that. There are people that I'm trying to contact that I met through the Women in Horror Film Festival that I want to get on here, a production company, people that made this film that I absolutely loved, um, that they're trying to get a dis- dis- distributor for it. And I think everybody would love it. It'd become a cult classic, frankly. Um, so, you know, if, if, you're tr- if you want to get any kind of audience, I know we're a s- quote unquote small right now. But I think we could maybe help each other grow. So that's that's my big announcement. Is I'm trying to add interviews. Yay! Um, that's awesome. Yay! That's a good idea. <laughs> so, and I know that, like, you know, she's not on here right now. She had to go. But Carlo would be another one. But definitely Tanya. I'm um, just trash. So you are. A- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I no, 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 no. When when you when your um podcast that you do with your kids, if that comes back, definitely would be something that we'd want to talk about as well. Um. So anyway, so if you are at all interested, if you're you don't have to be like a star or anything like that. Like I said, just a creator or someone who writes about fandom, involved in fandom, something like that as well. Um, reach out to me. You can either do it on Twitter at fandom thing pod on facebook at it's a fandom thing pod you can dm me there or you can email me at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com so and then you can also feel free to follow the show on those platforms as well so it's a new thing i want to try and get it started um either april or may um and just kind of see what the response is and just see how that goes so it would end up being two episodes a week we'd probably do the main one like this one on thursdays and then the interview one would be on Tuesday so it'd be switching it a little bit there um so we'll just see how that goes and it won't necessarily have to go with whatever the topic is that week um we can look at that later but just you know anyone so just reach out to us um and if you want to follow me on Twitter you can find me on Twitter at e april beauty that's all one word the e and the a and the b are capitalized um and and next week we're going to be talking about Lord of the Rings, which is something that I've never seen a single movie. I have never read the books. So you're (laughs) going to be doing nothing but watching Lord of the Rings for the next week. Yeah. Thing. If I end up doing that, yeah. So I'm going to have some great guests on. We're going to have two people who have not been on the show yet before. Can't remember if I'm on that one or not. (laughs) I'm not. not. Yeah. The other, the other Megan is. (laughs) I cannot do that one. I'm sorry, but. I'm down to be interviewed. I do have a couple of rules. Um, rule one is no handshaking, and rule two is no touching. Um, <laughs> I was actually, so we when have... I meet you, I, I was going to just lick your face <laughs> if I ever met you. Oh, man. Well, I guess if you like spray yourself with sanitizer first. <laughs> well, lucky for you, I just lick, I just eat hand sanitizer all the time perfect that's how does i hear that's how you fight the corona beer virus yes um poor corona virus, beer yeah. i feel so bad for them. i know their sales are tanking because yeah. mm-hmm. people I don't, don't it, understand but... that corona and yeah. coronavirus are not the same thing mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. yep yep Okay, well, I'm so I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to like oh, talk no, over no, you, Tanya. Fine. No, no, 
I was going to tell some stupid joke about Corona beer. It doesn't matter. <laughs> now so anyway, I ruined it. On that it. note. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So next week should be interesting since, you know, I, I, that's one of those ones that I don't have any involvement in because those aren't usually my kind of thing. Um, so, but it'll be fun to listen to the people talking about it and, and me kind of just moderating. Um, but until next time, uh, remember it's a fandom thing. Thanks guys. <laughs>